In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Well, it is very good to be back here in Lincroft today and also to see the white veil, which normally, as we know, is violet during time of Lent. But it's white today because we celebrate the eighth anniversary in which Pope Francis was elected as Supreme Pontiff, as, as uh, successor of St. Peter. And we can all bring to mind now the images of Pope Francis coming out on the balcony there of St. Peter with this massive crowd waiting in eagerness. Who would the next Pope be? When he came out, we were still somewhat drying our tears after the resignation of Pope Benedict. I still remember seeing the last day in which he officially resigned, in which he was taken off in a helicopter and, uh, and then flying over Rome. And, and that was it. People were waving away. And it was, it was a, a sad moment to see Pope Benedict leave and uh, how the church really needs, needs a successor of, of St. Peter. And so what joy it was to see this, this new successor come out there on the balcony. At that time, or around that time, Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle, who was, the, who was at that time the Archbishop of Manila, well, he was in the conclave, and he recounts that as he was there, it, was, it started becoming clear that Cardinal Bergoglio was getting all the votes, and as the votes were being read out, the names were being read out, it was becoming clear that he had two-thirds. And when that happened, this thunderous applause took place among all the cardinals. And he looked over, looked over and saw Cardinal Bergoglio there, hunched over in his seat, looking somber, almost feeling all the weight of obedience. And while there was jubilation among the cardinals, there was this pathos in the face of Cardinal Bergoglio. He's kind of like saying, what have I got myself into? But as they led him to the balcony, changed his clothes, as they led him there to present him to, the, to this massive crowd awaiting there in the square and beyond throughout the whole world, as even a quiver of the curtain that blocked the window would make commentators uh, speak. Suddenly he seemed to he seemed to be transformed. He went from the somber and oh my goodness to this joyous 
peaceful, serene, happy figure there, standing with his hand out, kind of, is this how you wave, uh, sort of uh, <laughs> approach. And uh, he was quite silent there for a while, and we all remember how he, he began to speak, uh, saying that the cardinals have gotten him from the other end of the world, and then how he, he, he made that humble gesture of bowing so that, uh, so that the people of God could, could pray for him. He was asking for our prayer. And in some way that bow continues today. He continues to ask constantly for our prayer. When, he, when he's leaving, when he's going somewhere, he's, he says, Pray for me. And Cardinal Tagle said that each new pope, each new pope is like a, it's like a gift for the church. But it's a gift that is slowly unwrapped, bit by bit, through his years of ministry, through his writings, through his decrees, and uh, all the different images that we have of the Pope, whether it's uh, just videos of him arriving in some worn, torn place or or in a massive crowd of youth. This is part of the unwrapping of this gift. And so let us now in the presence of God to hear as we do our prayer together after some absence due to the pandemic. Let us trust in God that we really do have a gift. We have received a beautiful gift and uh, you know when you you receive a gift you, you you somebody says here here's this is for you this is for you it's a gift and a gift is packaged it's wrapped it's got a bow and you look at it and you you say oh i bet you that's that thing i bet you it's whatever if it's thin and narrow and rectangular they us oh, it's obviously a book it's a book this is a book you feel it but if you shake it and then cling, 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 something, um, maybe it's not a book, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and you wonder what it is. And so you unwrap it and you begin to guess. Right? And uh, it's important to unwrap the Pope. It's important to unwrap all his gestures, his writings. Have, have I done that? Or if I just guess, well, he's probably going to say this, and that's it. And he's probably going to say, believe in God, and that's it. Like, a, like the trip to Iraq. The main message was, uh, don't kill each other, maybe. Let's, let's try not to kill each other. Let's have peace. But the way he did it, with the images that he used, the words of God to Abraham, our common father in the faith, when God told him to look up to the stars, to look up to the stars, see if you can count them, he said to Abraham. Such will your progeny be. And the Pope said there in this war-torn Iraq, in, in surrounded 
in that area where Abraham received that call in the midst of this dry desert, seated on a, on a flimsy platform, surrounded by all kinds of religious leaders from Muslims to Jews to, to Christians, uh, Orthodox, uh, Catholics, all kinds. He said, those stars, those stars that Abraham looked at, way back there, chapter 15 of Genesis, are the same stars that we are looking at today. The same stars. And he, he described the unity of the stars and how that unity that is there among the stars, the same stars that we are looking at, has to be reflected here in a spirit of peace here below. It was a beautiful gesture. It's part of the gift that we have in this Pope. And it's one of the things that this Pope is known for, or as part of the gift that he has, is these very, very uh, personal gestures. It's sometimes called, he's called the, the parable of the closeness of God. Gestures that we've seen transmitted to us by the media, like the, the famous image of him uh, embracing a very disfigured man who had some kind of disfiguration in the face and in a wheelchair and he embraces him, doesn't just touch him, but just embraces him. Or that, that hearty laugh that he has seated there on this kind of a throne, but there he is laughing like crazy, you know, at, I don't know what, but the... Or, or the simple gesture when he begins an Angelus address, he starts always by saying, buongiorno, buongiorno, which is a very simple expression. It means good morning or hello. It's because he's close to the people of God. He is their shepherd. He is close. And, well, I would say that Pope Francis doesn't fancy himself an intellectual, and he is rather proudly an exponent of Latin American, um, what you might call peasant spirituality. One of the things about that spirituality is they absolutely loathe the devil. They don't like the devil at all. And they loathe the church's enemies. And the Pope as far as I understand, has spoken more about the devil than prior popes. He's spoken frequently. And, but he doesn't, he doesn't fuss too much about theology. He, and and this, this, um, this kind of piety or spirituality reveres our Blessed Mother. Our Blessed Mother is just love. And uh, there are so many of these images that are so proper to him. On one occasion, he was speaking in the chapel of Santa Marta as he was addressing the people there. I think it was last May 18th, the anniversary of, uh, or the feast of Pope John Paul II. And he was explaining 
how in troubled times through history, God comes close to his people. And uh, when there are troubled times, difficult times, dark times in the Bible, he sends prophets, he sends men of God. And this is true of people like Jeremiah and Isaiah. These are men of God that God sends. And the reaction in the Bible is always God is close to his people, or perhaps the expression is God has visited his people. God has, has come to be with his people. That's how it is seen when a, a man of God comes. And he applied this to Pope John Paul II, who was in Krakow and he became a priest and then called him to be a bishop. Right? And then with his all his, um, all his ministry, he had visited his people. God had visited his people through John Paul II. And he said that what characterized the ministry and the pontificate of Pope John Paul II, he said there could be so many things that one could say, but he said, I, I always like to speak of three things. That's also a very common way of Pope Francis to speak. He always likes to speak in threes, you know, always three. There's three things I want to talk about. One, two, three. Every homily has three things. And he said, well, the pontificate of Pope John Paul II has three dominant things. Prayer, closeness to the people, and a love of justice. And we can see prayer in John Paul II. He was a, almost a mystic. You could see how he prayed so much. And also, of course, how close he was to his people. He, he decided in many ways to leave the Vatican, to go on these international trips, to, just to be with the people of God. And of course, his deep sense of justice with the way those encyclicals were written, defending the poor, defending uh, the innocent. And these now... In many ways, you could say, have come back now with Pope Francis. I would say, in some ways, you could say he's modeled himself on Pope John Paul II in some ways. But it's this ability he has, and that, that is part of that gift. And we give thanks to God for that gift, that he has these marvelous gestures, these images that he's able to use. He... He was in, in the Philippines in 2015, in Manila, January 16th. And there, as you recall, there too, the image, I mean, that was not, not an image that he, he prepared beforehand. It just came about when he's going through the crowds. It started to rain. I don't know if it was a monsoon or what, but the, and he's dressed in one of these simple, you know, yellow plastic uh, ponchos, you know, rain covers, right? and everybody else is in the same gear, right? And he said, well, I, I, I want to protect myself too from the rain. So he's wearing, he's, he's wearing all this crumpled plastic, uh, yellow, bizarre looking yellow poncho with a hood. And despite the downpour, he's going through the crowds and, you know, he's close to his people. He's close to his people. And there, as he was in Manila, he opened his heart about his devotion to St. Joseph, 
said Joseph. He said, I would like to tell you something very personal. I have a great love for St. Joseph because he is a man of silence and strength. And he said, on my table, I have an image of St. Joseph sleeping. Even when he is asleep, he is taking care of the church. Even when he is asleep. Yes, we know that he can do that. So when I have a problem, a difficulty, I write a little note and I put it underneath St. Joseph so that he can dream about it. In other words, I tell him, pray for this problem. Well, similarly, we will make a list of names on the eve of St. Joseph, names of people that we're praying for, and we're going to put them underneath the head of St. Joseph as we sleep, even if we have to go to bed early. <coughs> and we are told, and Pope Francis continues, next, rising with Jesus and Mary, he rose. Those precious moments of repose of resting with the Lord in prayer, he said, are moments we might wish to prolong. We don't always want to live the heroic minute. We don't always want to get up. And we want to prolong the time in bed. But, he said, like St. Joseph, once we have heard God's voice, we must rise from our slumber, we must get up and act. In our families, we have to get up and act. Faith does not remove us from the world, but draws us more deeply into it. This is very important. We have to be deeply engaged with the world, but with the power of prayer. Each of us, in fact, has a special role in preparing for the coming of God's kingdom in our world. Each of us has a role. And we do that right from the start. We did it this morning as we heard the alarm. We got up. God is calling us. These words could have been made for us who are ordinary people working. As we hear the alarm, we'd like to keep going. We'd like to slumber along. But we have to be ready to go. Well, now you've gotten up ready to face the challenges of the day, in the apostolate, in work, that's seemingly gone back to normal now, with uh, all the different permutations of the virus, even with the anxiety that it may have provoked, even with the constant use of those masks that you have to use, I see that sometimes you have to go out, do the cleaning, do the, you know, prepare the dining room wearing the, these masks. Maybe we can accept those masks and every time we put them on, make an act of love, make an act of confidence in God, and specifically 
make an, an act of non-complaint, the ant, an anti-complaint act, which is an act of piety, an act of love. Every time we put that mask on, whether we're going out, whether we're wherever we may be, or whether we see a pile of masks in a box, and we say, there you are. Because this will help us to face the situation with courage, to stare it down, as St. Joseph did, as the Pope did when he faced the reality of his pontificate, as he sat there in the conclave realizing that he had received all the votes. Can you imagine the weight that that must have been? On March 13th, 2013, he rose to the occasion. Although in a conclave, when the Pope is chosen, all the other cardinals rise, and the one who has been chosen normally sits to receive the applause. But you know what I mean, he rose to the occasion. And he had been tired. He was looking forward to retirement. But God threw this new challenge to him, not so that he could shine, not so that he could outdo everyone, but so that he could serve as the Bishop of Rome. And because he is the visible foundation and source of unity of the Church, pastor of the entire Church, who has full supreme and universal power over the whole Church, a power which, in, which he can always exercise, He's the visible, the visible foundation. The invisible foundation is, is Jesus Christ. But Jesus needs a visible foundation. So let's ask St. Joseph in particular to help us to unwrap that package that God has given us by reading his uh, encyclicals, even studying them. You know, we've got Fratelli Tutti that just came out. It's beautiful encyclical, beautiful, encouraging words. You could say magnanimous, magnanimous rather, words. And, uh, and so many other uh, texts. And I would recommend you, you read some of the, the, the homilies or addresses that he, he, he prepared for Iraq. And now, who knows, Lebanon. Who knows the next challenge that he has. But he's not going to give up. He's not going to just uh, sit back. And our Father wanted us to love the Pope, whoever he might be. And uh, so we do that now, asking St. Joseph. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.